Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. Broadcasting live from the Tampa Bay studios of Faith Talk AM 570 and 910 WTBN. You've turned into ministry in the marketplace brought to you by C12 Tampa Bay. And we are part of the I Work For Him Nation. I'm your host, Ross Harrop, local C12 chairman here in Tampa Bay. And normally I'm sitting in for my friend Jim Brangenberg, as I do on the first Friday of each month. However, today we're in studio together. Whoa, this is big, Jim. As we have a very special guest that we both are excited to introduce and to interview. This, uh, this show on the first Friday features the C12 group, our marketplace movement, and showcases the faith and business aspects of our local C12 members our ministry partners, and our impact on marketplace ministry across Tampa Bay and America. Jim, it's exciting to highlight local C12 group members and their kingdom companies who apply the principles and the concepts that you talk about each day on your I Work For Him shows, and it's always exciting to partner with you. Many thanks to Ace Andrews, who will be engineering the show today, and he'll be taking some calls. Check out the latest on the iWorkForHim.com website. While you're out there, please prayerfully consider joining me, Jim, and Martha, and the I Work For Him Nation. Start praying for your coworkers and your employees by name each and every day. You'll be amazed at how you and I guarantee you they will be changed. Remember, you and I may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. And, and Jim, I, um, I personally have my signed um, covenant on my uh, wall right in front of my computer and uh, in my office, and it is a personal reminder that I am God's steward in the marketplace and that I have that responsibility to be uh, praying for my coworkers. In the C12 group movement across the country, our motto is that we build great businesses for a greater purpose. So I'm glad you've joined us on this very first Friday of May as we focus on ministry in the marketplace and the concepts that you can use in your business. Hey, Jim, how about helping me out here? Because I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and uh, you can introduce our very special guest, Mike Sherrill. You know, Ross, I have uh, known of C12 for years and I'm excited about C12. I love C12. It's a, it's a, a ministry that touches the lives of business people all over the country. And I'm passionate about what they do. And as you and I have talked on, I don't know how many dozens of shows over the last three years. In fact, it is, it's amazing that we're able to share this microphone together. And it was kind of fun. It was very hard to sit in the back seat though, and let you introduce me, uh, but I, I got over it. It was okay. Uh, but it's exciting that um, C12 
is about ready to uh, turn the page, and uh, uh, it's exciting. I mean, I don't know that I'm really qualified to introduce our guest, but I am super excited. I got to be on the show with you as we introduce our guest. I think you get to do that. Well, first and foremost, as I introduce him as the only the third president in the history of the C-12 movement, now in its 24th year, and what's exciting is that uh, Mike Sharrow is the um, chair in uh, San Antonio in Austin, Texas, and uh, he will be the uh, the new president and uh, just started on May 1st. But here's what's most exciting for me is I know this man. I know him as the leader of an incredible practice in the San Antonio, Austin market, but I know him as a friend. And, uh, and that's what's had me excited about having you involved in this process. So, Well, Mike Shero, welcome to I Work For Him and the C12 Ministry in the Marketplace show here every Friday, first Friday of every month. Mike Shero, welcome. Jim, Ross, I, uh, I'm sitting here listening to all this going, I want to meet this guy you're talking about. I, <laughs> I, I hope I get to meet that guy one day. Well, I, what, what the guy, the show. You? Where are we at? Yeah, I'd like to meet you, too. So, But it is exciting. I, I just came and tell you, and I know I don't really get to express all of my excitement on the air today, but I personally, Jim Brangenberg, have been praying for you, Mike Sherrill. I didn't know. I, I don't know you. We've never met. But I've been praying for the next generation of C12 leadership for years. And I'm super excited that a, a man who has started to be used by the Lord to transform San Antonio and Austin is going to have the opportunity to tra- to be a part of transforming our nation in the workplace. So, Mike, as we head to our first break, if you would just share how Christ is making a difference in your life today. Man, I read a book this spring that has really uh, converged God's work in my life. It's a book called With by a guy named Sky Jatani, and it has just rung my bell as God has reminded me that it's so easy for me to get caught up doing life uh, for God expecting things from God, trying to do life above God where you extract principles, and sometimes you know living under God, but that's the real invitation to abide with Him. So particularly in this season of change and transition, I would say the big, the big way Christ makes a difference in my life is by holding me close and uh, teaching me, reminding me what it's like to do life uh, with Him. In, uh, in an intimate relationship. I just can't imagine how excited you are to lead this C12 organization. And when we come back from the break, I want to go into the details. But talk about your family. Married kids, I mean, how many of them are you bringing along into this whole C12 experience? <laughs> so I managed to get a Iowa farm girl to agree to be my bride 14 years ago. And uh, she, frankly, the board of C12 had to make a coin toss whether to hire her or me. And I don't know. She was, she said no, so they took me. Um, got a wife of 14 years, and we've got two little girls, Elena and Sophie, ages five and two. So we've got a young family and a uh, an exciting mission ahead. Which part of Iowa is she from? Mostly the central part of the state, right near Iowa State University. Oh, very nice. Very nice. All right. We're talking today with the brand new CEO, president and CEO of C12 around the nation, Mike Shero. Mike, as you become only the third president and CEO of C12 Group in the last, it's like 25 years, right? This, the organization is 25 years old. So, it's actually 25 years, yep. Yeah, so talk about the reins that you are assuming. Talk about C12 as a whole today. 
I couldn't be more humbled by what I'm inheriting. I'm, I'm stepping into this seat when this movement that started out really right there in Tampa Bay, 1992, as a wild-haired idea and a faith risk by a guy named Buck Jacobs. And it was a couple groups here, a couple groups there. And as of today, nearly 1,800 members in 32 different states. We've got active groups meeting in about 90 metro areas. And a distinctive of us being served by a chair corps, as we call them, of vocationally called full-time guys whose, whose job in life is poured out to serving these men and women in the marketplace, a team of about 90 guys and gals all over the country. And it is just, um, in, in many ways, just getting started. So it's, it happens to be the, the largest community of business owners and business executives saying, we're going to build great businesses for a greater purpose together. We're going to see our business as a ministry and while that's huge, the reality is we're realizing this is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, amen to that. You know, we, every day on I Work For Him, we talk about the fact that our workplace, it's our mission field. And in your mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. We say that every day. And, and, it's, and we talk about the fact that as, as employees within a business, we've got an opportunity to do a lot of ministry. But as business owners, as business leaders, we've got the opportunity to be the pastor in those organizations. And and that, that's a heavy responsibility, but it's a great responsibility. And C12 does a great job equipping people. Hey, Mike, no. I, uh, yeah. I know that, that you and your partner um, in the business, Robert, have the fastest growing C12 practice in America in that San Antonio, Austin, Texas markets. You call it Central Texas. And uh, knowing your family and your life with Jackie and uh, Elena and Sophie, it was pretty darn good there in, in your area. How did, how did you know that you were responding to God's will for your life as you interviewed for, for this new role on a national platform? Ross, you know, it sounds cliche. Sometimes we say it's a God thing. This is such a God thing. Um, I, I feel like I've been in a tractor beam of God's call or God's destiny in many ways because since entering C12 five years ago, there was this sense that this was not just a job or an assignment for a period of time, but I was stepping into something that God had called me to and that this was really part of a weird sense of destiny. And in, throughout this last number of months, as we began looking at this national role, should I play this role and even who God would call to it, not only has there been supernatural peace, I was telling a friend this morning, it's a paradoxical blend of being nauseatingly overwhelmed, <laughs> looking at the scope of ministry responsibility this represents, and yet completely free, knowing that the God who called me here is the God who's taking me there. And... I mean, he's used my wife, my friends, my members in C12, my partners. Um, it's just been a, a concert of confirmation. But it's really been him leading me by peace, going, this is what I've called you to do, Mike. And, and that's, that's where we go. My family, we go where God calls us to go. Well, and the peace that you feel to just to know that you're in rhythm with God is powerful. I mean, that's just a powerful deal. And I, and I know what you're talking about. I wish I experienced that more often because more often than not, I'm going the wrong direction and God goes, come on back, come, come on back. But, you know, well, you, you, go ahead. I was going to say, well, it, it had to be God's call. As I was telling the board, even when they were interviewing me, I said, listen, everyone else you could pick from in the C12 community is more qualified, more educated, more pedigreed, uh, you know, 
the only reason I'm here is I know God's called me to do this, and it's humbling to step in the seat getting to lead some of the finest people in the world to serve some of the finest people in the marketplace. Um, it's got to be a God thing. And, and, and Jim, I, I want you to know that as humble as this guy is, um, one of the things that Mike and I chatted about uh, um, a few weeks ago was that sometimes we talk about our legacy as what we leave behind. His legacy is right now. It is right now what he's doing as he begins in May 2016, because this is truly a man um, much younger than I, but I've uh, since the first day I met him, I've, as you know, I've called him my mentor, and uh, now I get to call him my friend. So it's just so cool. Now, Mike, Ross has told you the story on how he became a C12 chair, right? He, he told, did he tell you that story? I think he blamed you. Yes. That is, well, that, and that's why I have to buy lunch all the time and why I'm sitting in the, uh, in the associate's chair here in the, uh, in the studio and Jim's in, in charge. <laughs> yeah. We know who introduced me. Yeah, it's, it's just cool. It's, it's cool to be part of something, even on the outside, because I have run into business people, Christian business people around Tampa Bay whose lives have been impacted in such an incredible way by the ministry of C12 it's it's I love being part of what you're doing because I've seen the result in people's lives. You know, the mission, Mike, of C12 of the C12 group. And by the way, we're talking today with Mike Shero. He's the brand new president and CEO of C12 nationwide. He's been in his position for five days. That's right. Five days. So we're asking him questions today. He doesn't even know the answers to yet because we're going to ask him tough questions because that's what we do here and I work for him. But the mission of the C12 group that you're assuming, Mike, is to change the world by advancing the kingdom of God in the marketplace through the companies and lives Christ calls to run businesses for him. What about this movement? What is it about this movement that has you excited to lead C12? The words of that mission statement couldn't be a more audacious BHAG. I mean, think about it. What's your mission? To change the world? I mean, that's that's about as audacious as you can be. What what excites me and has since the first day a friend invited me to visit a C12 group uh, six years ago was the fact that men and women, whether or not they go to church, they go to work, and the, the, the public forum of the marketplace is such a powerful place, and I believe it's where Jesus did most of his ministry, was outside of synagogues, outside of temples. It was it was Monday through Friday during business hours. That's where he healed, taught, and transformed lives, made disciples, and I believe it's the primary place that we are called and commissioned to do the same. And the movement is is not only gaining traction and gaining intelligence, but it's beginning to throw off the kind of results that it's awakening men and women around the world. And I, I believe God is leading a revival globally that's going to be with the tip of the spear being in the marketplace. And I feel like I get front row seats at God's next wave of his gospel work. I'm sure it's got to be overwhelming. But when God puts you in a place where there's no way to explain the success you have except through him, that's exactly where you're at. Because you've been thrown into an ocean with a life preserver. And, but yeah. but the Lord's got your back. He's already got the plan. He's already got it figured out. You know, Ross keeps saying that you're this great, humble guy. And I am sure you are because Ross would not say that if you were not. But you've just been put in charge of one of the most influential marketplace ministries in the country. How how are you going to stay humble? What are you going to do in order to keep yourself accountable so that this is never about Mike Sherrill and it's all about the Lord? 
<laughs> but going home to a two-year-old and five-year-old and a wife who tell you the truth. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, I've, I, I married my accountability partner, and uh, that, that's been my secret. Um, brother, that is probably my greatest fear in all this, is this is God's thing, and he has chosen to, for whatever reason, show off by proving that he can do great things even through me. And while I want to be fully surrendered to that, um, I am inviting every everybody in my boards, everybody in my friends, my small group, my pastors, I'm inviting anybody I know to uh, help call out these blind spots and let me know the moment I begin to have uh, shadow mission creep. Because you're right on, Jim. This is a this is a this is God's thing, and if it ever becomes my thing, this is it'll all be. A tragic loss. Well, and it's the same thing with the radio show. I, I got to tell you, Mike, I get the same thing. We, we've had just a little over 500 shows, and I say it all the time to my accountability people, of which Ross is one of them, is to say, listen, this show can never be about Jim and Martha Brangenberg. It's always got to be about the Lord. That's why the show is I work for him. It doesn't say Jim Brangenberg. It, it, it's, but it is. It sometimes you get to be thinking, well, this is because of me, and then you realize, oh no, 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 it's not really because of me. God can do anything, and He can use anybody, and that's what's cool. And you're taking the reins of an organization that has the potential to not just impact ninety uh, metro areas, but a thousand metro areas. And instead of having eighteen hundred members, it can have a hundred and eighty thousand members. I mean, it's it's got such huge. Huge potential. That's why I'm so excited that you are taking over C12 because it's it, it, the, what the Holy Spirit can do in leading you and our Heavenly Father can do in preparing the hearts of business people across the, the United States of America. This is going to be cool. Hey, Mike, we said uh, before the break about you, you joined C12 as a member and had that experience before becoming an associate chair and now a, a, a chair uh, with Robert. So what's the consistency that you see um, that has been your experience from the first time you stepped foot into a C12 group? Well, so I avoided C12 for a while um, because I, I love Jesus and I love business, but I frankly found a lot of times when people try to mix their Christianity and their business, it, it, it tasted funny. Sometimes it was uh, an excuse for, for bad business. Sloppy agape is what we say in C12. It'd be a big, you know, so obnoxiously about Jesus, but not realizing that if you don't do good business, it doesn't honor him. And then I found a lot of other, the other in the spectrum, good old boy clubs where we run businesses that are morally clean. We just don't lie, steal, or cheat. And they write big checks, and they think that means it's a Christian business. And I didn't find a lot of stuff in between. And the, the thing that got me to a C12 group to begin with was a buddy kept nagging me about it. He finally went, listen, Mike, we believe that a Christian-run business should be the best-run business of its kind. It should honor God by how well it's ran and that its biggest value is not just the ability to put cash into the kingdom, but to actually be a platform of ministry itself. And so it's got to be both. And I went, okay, well, now we're talking. And that's, that's what got me to a meeting. And when I came to my first meeting, I saw that in action. And then I, as I became a chair... I saw that replicate and scale, and as I've toured the country, I began to go, okay, this is, a, this is the kind of people I want to be with, and this is the kind of banner I want to see raised up, that this is about changing the world through excellent businesses that, you know, I, one of my measures of success is we should have all the best places to work awards. I mean, there should not be a Amen. better place to work than a Christian business, and there shouldn't be a more successful business, so we should be winning all the Inc. awards and Fortune awards 
But more than that, that should just be permission to play. We should be seeing, and we are seeing, more salvations and more discipleship happening in our average small to medium-sized business than happens in 97% of American churches. And that's that, that consistent potential I see happening and expanding. Those fighting words. Those are, I like them. I, say, I agree 100% with it, but those are fighting words. Like the churches are like, wait a minute, what do you mean? What do you mean? But but it's so true because the ministry is happening in the marketplace because fewer and fewer people are going to church. Of course, you're from Texas, so still a lot of people are going to church, but fewer and fewer people are going to church. In the county that Ross and I live in, 70 to 80% of the people never go to church. But they all go oh, yeah. to work. And that's why it's so important we start discipling these Christian business owners. You know what's exciting, uh, Jim, as, as Mike is a guy who is not pointing the finger at the church because he's no. been on staff of, of the church. Not. He's working close. He's part of the, the church staff now as a lay leader and, and, and preaches and teaches on a regular basis in his home church. In fact, his wife Jackie is going to be doing the same on Mother's Day. Is that correct? Yeah, this weekend she's uh she's doing her first sermon on the power of intentional motherhood and and uh and uh what is it like to, to live a life on purpose, but to your point Ross, like a I actually hate the us them thing. I don't believe it exists. We are the church. Amen. The church That's what I was going to say. Right? Yeah. So we we are them. They are us. Uh and the Sunday morning gathering is a locker room huddle and then we get out in the field and we're we're calling plays now where the uh where the points are actually made. And the powerful thing is, you know, we live in a greatly post-Christian world, and even in Texas, it's only 10% churched in my city. So it's a, we're very much a post-Christian world, and yet we're in an era where humanity is craving purpose, and people are questing for identity. And many of them are looking in their careers or other places, and I believe it's God's divine conspiracy to plant his disciple-making followers in the middle of those very places where people think they're going to find water and they're going to get offered living water instead well and i agree with you mike i was not criticizing the church i was just trying to draw attention that part of what i grew up learning as a christ follower since my teenage years was that there was the work of the church and then you business people instead of yeah. what c12 it trains and then many other great marketplace ministries that have been highlighted on the show over the last three years is that we're all part of the body of christ all of us have we are part of the church it is not a building that defines the church and none of nobody has you know uh, captures the message no one denomination captures the message it's the gospel it doesn't it's not owned by anybody and but bringing it into the marketplace is the most relevant place it can be brought that's what jesus did he brought it to the marketplace you know, I, I, and I so I just I echo what you're saying. I agree with you. Uh, I hope everybody understands. We're not criticizing the church. We're trying to help. We're trying to build up the body of Christ, which is the church, not the building you go to on Sunday. Amen. So what do you see as the biggest, as we head into a break, we'll get started on this, we'll jump out. But what do you see as the biggest lies believed or maybe the obstacles that face Christians in a marketplace? Man, I see so many lies the enemy uses to oppress Christians in the marketplace. I think a couple of them is, one, the fear that uh, you you can't share your faith and be successful in business. I, I had a business owner come and say, you mean if I mention Jesus in my office, I won't go to jail? And, I mean, just such an outlandish lie. So there's so much fear around what you can't do that it stops us from doing the things we can do. I think there's the fear that my job, I think the lie of 
my job is a second-class Christian. I didn't get called to Africa. I'm not running a church, so my best thing I can do is write checks. And the more checks I write, the better I do, maybe. But I think that's a huge lie. We're talking today with Mike Shero. He is the brand new president and CEO of C12 Nationwide. And Mike, as we head back to you, the, the question we asked you right before the break was, you know, what what do you see as the biggest lies that impact Christians in a workplace? The biggest obstacles that stand in the way of them bringing their faith into the workplace. And why don't you just revisit what you said, and then we will we'll move on to the next question. Sure. I mean, so you get the lie of, you know, believing you can't do it. You get the lie that you're second-class citizen, that you're, if you're not in the pastor pulpit and you're not in the mission field of another country, that your job is just a job. In fact, I love to go to, I love to, go to high school graduations for churches, and I'll, I'll sometimes do a keynote talk there. And I love to do a little trick where I ask everyone, hey, who's called to full-time ministry? Raise your hand. And you'll get the two or three kids who are going to be youth pastors or missionaries. And then I'll ask everyone else, raise, what about you? And they're like, I'm just going to be a banker. I'm just going to be a teacher. And... And we've taught them from a young age the sacred secular divide. So that's a huge lie. It's a lie that I believed for so much of my life. And then I think beyond that, it's just a series of subsequent lies around what you can and can't do in your business and what what uh, what ministry can or can't look like and, and just how much impact can have happen. I mean, I, I, I know some businesses in San Antonio that have more ministry happening every week at all levels than major m- – formal ministries I've seen in other parts of the country. So I think there's just a lot of lies that the enemies uh, sold us that we got to start shedding, bringing those into the light and seeing them for what they are. Mike, were you aware of Marketplace, the potential for Marketplace ministry before you joined C12? I mean, had anybody ever opened your eyes up to the opportunity that you were a missionary to your workplace? Or was that a new idea until you got to C12? Actually, what happened, I was working for a Fortune 50 company up in Chicago, and I was a, I just got offered a full-ride scholarship to go to seminary. And so I was about to leave my job and go to seminary full-time when a bunch of friends took me to lunch and said, Mike, we love you. We believe God's called you to definitely be a, your passion about the gospel. And we do believe he's called you to be a pastor, but it seems like he's given you favor in business. Could it be that you're called to be a pastor in business? And I went, what does that even mean? And they said, we don't even know, but we don't think you should go to seminary right now. We think you need to figure out why God's got you there, because it just seems like you could do so much more there. And that was the catalyst that made me suddenly begin looking at the mission field. And I realized I didn't know what I was doing. That I could, I, I'd read books and taken classes on how to do ministry in churches and neighborhoods and other settings. I'd done mission trips, but I, I didn't really know how to do ministry in a fortune company. And... And I, when I took that to God, I went, God, if you've called me to be an ambassador for you and a disciple-making disciple, I don't know how to do that at work. And I found, I really felt like God went, great, ask me that question more. I'd love to show you the answer to that. And so I was already fumbling down that pathway when I encountered C12 years later. Isn't it exciting, Mike, when you look back and you say there was a time that that God had his had his fingerprints all over me, and at the moment uh, I was living through it, I didn't know it, and yet here you are. All of this was preparatory for what God what was calling you to do in this new position as the CEO and president of the of the C twelve group. What 
Mike, as you look at those lies that that our business leaders hear, and you now have this new platform as the national president, what would your challenge be to business leaders listening, perhaps in their car, stuck in traffic on the bridge, uh, or somewhere across the uh, the country and the world? What would be your challenge to these business leaders as they're listening today? Man, I would challenge everybody listening to go, Jesus never hired a part-time or recruited a part-time disciple. We all are completely saved and all called to be disciple-making disciples, no matter what we do. And how are you surrendering that job? Whether it's a job as a mid-level manager, whether you work in a factory line, or whether you run a company, how are you surrendering that to God and inviting it to be an act of worship to Him? As, as Paul says in Colossians three seventeen through 23 let us do all things as unto Christ. But how are you also be viewing it as a mission field, realizing that you spend more time with people at work than they'll ever spend in a church, even if you get them to come to church with you. And so how is your business or your job strategically being viewed as a ministry? And what would God have you do there? And there's no cookie-cutter answer. I don't have, you don't come to C12 and have us tell you, the here's the ABCs. We're going to give you the questions more than the answers, and we're going to let you hear answers from peers. I'd also challenge you to go, who are you getting counsel from? It always surprised me. I remember having a buddy who was getting marriage advice from a guy, and I'm like, well, do you like that guy's marriage? He said, no. I'm like, well, why are you getting marriage advice from him? You know, go after people who have the marriages you want. Get marriage advice from them. Similarly, who are you getting counsel from in your business? I mean, if you get your best business counsel from the latest fad guy in a, in a magazine who's on marriage number nine and whose kids won't talk to him and whose life is you know, destroyed by addictions, is that really the counsel you want? So how are you finding counsel that's going to challenge you to say, what is God's best for you in every aspect of the business? And that every single decision is a spiritual decision. The spiritual decisions are not just leading someone to Christ or not. How I hire, fire, sell, deal with litigation, every single decision in my business, which is not my business, it's actually God's, is a spiritual one. And uh, do I have, how much time do I have? Can I say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I was in the C12 meeting once where a, a guy at the table knocked, rung my bell. He said, most of us support missionaries. We've, we've written you know, checks to support someone in another country. And you get the support letter every year, right? That's essentially saying, here's what I did, send me more money. And if you were to get us a, a letter back from somebody who went to Madagascar and said, hey, this year I just went there and I got to know people, um, I'm learning the language, you'd send a check. Second year, learn the language, building relationships, great. Third year, starting to be involved in the community. Well, if you're five, you're six, you're seven, they were still just kind of playing it safe and hadn't had any life-changing conversations and hadn't been bold for Jesus, would you still write a check? No. Like, no? And he's like, well, we're stewarding God's business. He's deployed us into his mission field. Would you write a check to fund yourself as a missionary in your mission field based upon your prior year's performance? And we sat there and went, man, I wouldn't write my own check. <laughs> Would I fund me to keep my job based on how I've stewarded it as God? Why would God renew my contract? It's just a paradigm shift to think about why we're in business and what business can be. So I just I hope every man and woman listening really pulls over and let's ask God, God, why do you have me where I work and what do you want to do with it? 
especially when we recognize that God is sovereign. And uh, we have the honor to to work alongside the company that he has called us to or called us into. And uh, we'd like to say in the C12 group that it, most of our listeners that are working in a, whatever their business is, they, they're really good at working in their business. And this yeah. once a month opportunity to step back, sit around a uh, what we call our executive roundtable format with uh, a, a dozen other men and women uh, who are like-minded, um, th- it, it can make all the difference in the world uh, if, we, if we're getting spiritual guidance. You know, Mike, I, I got to just echo what you said, because what you said, you know, because we talk all the time about the fact that our workplaces are mission field. We're talking today with Mike Shero. He's the brand new president and CEO of C12 nationwide. Mike Shero just started his job five days ago, but he's got a big responsibility that the Lord has given him, and he's going to surround himself with people. They're going to keep him uh, on task with what the gospel message that he's been given to share. But Mike, what you just said about the fact that if we were that missionary in our workplace that we were supporting, and would we still cut the check for our effectiveness as a Christ follower in a workplace? Would we still cut the check to us, you know, 10 years down the road? That's a powerful statement because I, if I would ask that, boy, I wish somebody had asked me that question 25 years ago and I started recognizing what my workplace was because nobody had ever told me that. Me either. Mike, uh, we just have a couple of minutes left in this segment. And as the new leader of C12, how are you planning to get started and uh, what do you see as your top focus your priority um as you as you take the reins you know i'm a fan of the way uh blackaby said you find where god's working you join him there um i i my, my job right now is to figure out where god is working and how to best join him there and i believe that um one of my number one priorities is to unleash the power of God that's already in the people he's brought around these tables and to figure out how to best unleash that, whether that's the chairs we've got all around the country, whether that's the staff we've got in our home office that supports them. But it's really to look at the future and go, the time is short, and what are, what are the obstacles we need to remove and what are the strategies we can put in place that are going to help us advance the kingdom of God even more rapidly. And, you know, we've got... Things are getting exciting. There's new technologies. There's a whole new generation of, of, of leaders coming to the marketplace. We've got to figure out how to work with. And um, I look forward to diving in and figuring out what, what God has already prepared there. You know, I, got a, I got a phone call from a friend saying, hey, there's a group of 140 business owners in Mexico City meeting up every month just to pray for how they could use their businesses to change Mexico for Christ. And another group in Hong Kong and Taipei and Singapore well, what would it look like to see these countries around the world uh, served in this way, reached in this way? And so my job, I get to go discover what God's doing and, and join him in it. We've got about a minute left. And so here's my question for you. You've just been given this huge responsibility. How are you going to protect your marriage as you now get pulled in 90 different directions across the country? How are you going to make your marriage and your girls a higher priority than your ministry in C12? Brother, that's um, that's a great question and something I've I've been uh, determined and called to for a long time. So, 
it means I get home as soon as I can to do dinner and love my kids and business turns off in the evening and I get to be daddy and husband. It means I'm going to date my wife on weekly. We're going to go out and we're going to talk about the, the real things we need to deal with in life. It means I'm going to make sure I stay spiritually grounded with uh, daily disciplines and spiritual retreat disciplines and uh, practicing a good Sabbath every week. And uh, I'm going to invite everybody, including guys like Ross Harris, to ask me that question, same question every time he talks to me to make sure I don't get off track. And um, that's, that's, that's a trick for all of us is to make sure we invite constant accountability to keep the main things the main things. Amen to that. And, Mike, I'd like to just already invite you back six months from now, after you've been six months in this role, so you can talk to us about the incredible things that are going on in C12. But thank you so much for being a guest today on the Ministry in the Marketplace, and I work for him. Mike Shero, thank you very much. Hey, Mike, thanks so much. I love you, brother. Thanks, Jim. Congratulations. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks so much for just being part of I Work For Him and for considering joining the I Work For Him nation. Thanks so much to Ace Andrews, did a great job today engineering the show. And thanks so much to our guest, Mike Shero. Good luck, and we'll be praying for you very, very much. You know, as you go home today, consider joining the I Work For Him nation. Go out to iworkforhim.com, click on the I Work For Him nation flag, and join tonight. Hey, what did you learn today? What did you learn about how we're going to take this city? You know, we heard today from the heart of a man who's been given a responsibility of an organization that's 25 years old in its 25th year. Mike Shero, the new president and CEO of C12. And for those of you that have never heard of C12 before, you must not listen to I Work For Him very often, but this is a gentleman who's been given the reins of an organization that's been handed off only two other times in its history. And the impact is huge. He recognizes from a very young age that the ministry in the workplace is the most powerful ministry going on in the country, in the United States of America. He understands that he wants to chase after. He wants to be part of what God is doing, and he's going to find out where God is working, and he's going to join him there. He understands and recognizes that in your workplace, you are a missionary. Would you pay you to stay in your mission field? You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio show with Ross Harrop and Jim Brangenberg right here on Faith Talk AM 579 10. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. Yes.